Good morning, Cypress Creek Church and all the guests who are joining us. We're here at a beautiful day in Wimberley, Texas, May 3rd, 2020. We're out here in the courtyard and you are wherever you're watching from. And the beauty of our Lord is that he's present in all of those places simultaneously. He's there with you. He's here with us. And we get to celebrate together. We get to worship a little bit together. We get to learn, hopefully, together as well. My name is Sean Stover. I'm on the pastoral team here at Cypress Creek Church. And from time to time, they let me come and teach, which I'm super excited about. At the start of the year, when uh, lead pastor Jose said, hey, the theme this year that God has given me and God has given this church is let's go, I was pumped. I was excited about that. Uh, I had no idea where all he meant we were going. And I really didn't understand, and I don't think he did either, the extent to which we would be shaken up in terms of how we do life and how we do fellowship and how we do hanging out. But I can tell you that Jose has been faithful to lead through the process, the live team that we have here on Sundays that puts a message out and worship out to you guys has been incredible. And uh, Ben and the worship team, fantastic. Worship time last week, when we got to do that at night together was amazing. So great things are still happening. Maybe different things are happening and maybe they're even better things than before. I'm excited about where we're headed because I know that Governor Abbott at the uh, kind of middle of last week made another announcement about kind of some new policies around social distancing and sheltering in place. At the end of uh, the service today, we're going to do communion. Taylor mentioned that. And then also, Jose is going to come up and kind of give us some announcements about what those uh, decrees from Governor Abbott mean for us getting back together, for us reconnecting and gathering and how to do that. He and the overseers have been working out a plan to make sure we do that safely and at the same time make sure we do it in a way that we get to shelter together. I uh, am excited about where we've been even in the midst of all of this pandemic because we've been talking about deepening, spiritual deepening, and it turns out that discipline breeds deepening. And so we've been looking at kind of a wheel and maybe we can pop it up here on the screen or you can see this wheel that we've been going through about the Christian life. And uh, Jose, with some help from Bob Moss, talked about the Bible itself and how this is the most powerful and effective tool that we have for combating anything that goes on in our life. And at the same time, uh, last week, we talked about meditating on the word and memorizing scripture. Some of us may be better at that than others. Bob Moss is, a, is amazing. He's the, he's the PhD level at that, and we're all shooting for it. We're all trying to memorize a little bit of Scripture. Hopefully, you were challenged last week to do that a little more. This week, we're going to talk about another discipline, but I got good news for you. It's one that you have already been practicing. Maybe you didn't choose to practice it, but you've certainly been practicing it. Think about it over the last six to seven weeks, are there any things that you've been missing in your life that you did previously that you haven't been able to do? What are some of those things for yourself? I, I know for me, like I haven't been able to get a haircut in quite a while. You might be able to tell that on the screen. Uh, I haven't watched a sporting event in probably six to eight weeks, a, a live sporting event, one on television, nothing. I actually flipped over last night just to see what was even happening on ESPN. I'm like, what are they doing? There's no sports or anything going on. They were showing some kind of competition where people were racing up slippery steps to see who could get to the top and they were sliding back down. I'm not kidding. I only watched about 30 seconds of it. I don't know who won that thing, 
But it's kind of like the early days. If you remember ESPN in the 1980s when they first took off, they didn't have any sports contracts. So they were showing all kinds of crazy, you know, dog shows and other events and calling them sports uh, to try to fill up airtime. Seems like that's what they're doing now. But I've been missing sports to some extent. We've been denied that ability. Maybe there's other things that you've been denied. Some things like gathering together, going out to eat at restaurants. I know this is probably the longest period in my life I've ever gone without sitting down in a restaurant and eating somewhere. I know that this is the longest period I've ever gone in my life without hugging my dad when I was in his presence. We've had the chance to go see him and go check on him, but we stay distant from him. We haven't been able to actually physically touch him. Some things that we've had to be denied in this period have been easier to handle than others. And I know that you all have had to sacrifice quite a bit like everyone has. So we've already been doing some of the discipline that we're gonna talk about today because the discipline for today connects to prayer. Prayer is very significant in our Christian faith and living out our Christian life. And one element of prayer, kind of a real specific element, we're gonna dig into prayer in the next week even deeper, but specific element of prayer is fasting. Everywhere in the Bible where you hear fasting, it's called, it's fasting and prayer. They're mentioned together. So this morning, we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of fasting and what that looks like uh, in our lives. Because it's kind of got some, oh man, there's some misunderstanding based on the way culture's taken fasting and uses it today. Fasting for us as believers is something that God didn't command, actually. He never commanded us to fast, but he did actually expect us to fast, and he modeled fasting for us. So what do I mean by expected us to fast? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, he actually says, when you fast, which implies that he said we need to be doing it, because he said when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. So it's kind of expected that we would fast. And then Jesus himself modeled it in his time on earth in kind of one of the most significant passages of Jesus fasting in Luke chapter four and Matthew chapter four, Jesus is about to be tempted by the devil. As a matter of fact, it says the devil pulled Jesus out into the wilderness. And then for 40 days out there, Jesus fasted and prayed. And while he was fasting and praying, then the enemy came back and he tempted him in various ways. See, Jesus was modeling something that we'll unpack over the course of the next few minutes because He was using fasting and prayer to prepare him, to connect him to the Lord and prepare him for something that was coming in his life. Christian fasting, our biblical definition of fasting is is important to remember and important to pay attention to. So I dug in and tried to figure out, you know, who's defined this well. And I landed with John Piper and a little bit of tweaking of what he said. But so definition, Christian fasting, what is it? Well, fasting, let me see if I can pull it up here on the screen and kind of show you while uh, also you may have it on your screen at home. Is that up there and I just can't see because of the glare? Okay, just checking to see. There it is. Fasting is not commanded, but it is expected and modeled. And then by definition, what fasting is, is fasting is a temporary kind of renunciation. So it's a temporary renunciation, which is a John Piper word. It really just means a giving up or a setting aside, a temporary giving up or setting aside of something that is in and of itself good. So we often think about food when we think about fasting. Though there are other things you could fast from, but we're going to focus a lot on kind of food fasting today because that's kind of biblically what happened the most. So it's a temporarily setting aside of something that's good in and of itself, like food. Because, and this is the key, in order to intensify 
our expression of need for something that is greater. So we're setting aside something good to intensify our expression of need for something that is greater. And that's what sets it apart from other areas. Because if you're just fasting so that you can lose weight, well, you're not really setting it aside for something better or greater. You're not trying to pursue something else. You're just setting it aside to deprive yourself. It becomes kind of selfish and self-absorbed. Man, it's hard if you're just fasting without a really good end in mind or means for doing it. But for us, what we're talking about today is fasting in such a way that it allows us to intensify this expression of need that we have for something greater. And the greater is namely God and God's work in our lives. So why, why would we fast? Well, we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to just call in a friend, basically. I, I hope you have people in your life when you think of a concept that they kind of model that, and it may be a different person for different concepts. But for me, when I think of fasting, I have a really good friend. He's basically a brother to me. We've counseled hundreds of couples together as co-counselors. We've traveled uh, around the world doing adventures and helping missionaries. Uh, he has an amazing ministry, Battlefield Ministries, but he has used fasting in his life at key points and even more consistently lately in order to get clarity, in order to receive power so that he could do the work that God's called him to. So um, for just a few minutes, take a look at this video clip from my friend Nathan Phillips. It is just like my buddy Sean Stover to ask me a little question that sends me on a journey. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you guys can relate to that in knowing him. This time it was about fasting. And it took me back to when I was in college and I was reading through Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline, which is a bit of an oxymoron to me, by the way. And he was talking about fasting. I'd never tried that, even though my dad's a pastor and I'd been around the church all my life. So we did. And I would say what we gleaned was clarity, which is a pretty cool commodity because it's hard for me to learn. It's hard for me to memorize things. And looking back, I would say that 75 to 80% of the scripture that I have hidden in my heart has happened in the context of me concentrating on it while I'm fasting. It wasn't long after that that Jane and I got married, and we had a pretty crazy cool dilemma because I had a scholarship for seminary and another scholarship for my master's degree in counseling. We decided, hey, let's pray and fast and see if we can get the peace that Colossians 3 is talking about. And we did, and we did. And we have used that recipe in the poignant, significant transitions that we've had in our life, six or seven distinct ones. But about five or six years ago, I had this like pig pen cloud that was hanging around me, and it seemed to be fashioned with everything that the evil one has designed to set against my spirit, and I could not get rid of it. I prayed, I'm pretty good at being whole, and healthy in my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I've dedicated myself to knowing my vessel so that I can navigate it with sanctity and honor. And it just wasn't going away. But I did, uh, in the midst of that, uh, invite um, a couple and the other therapists that I was doing an intensive with to pray and fast. We did, and it went amazing. And I came back, and when I drove into the Battlefield Ministries parking lot and put it in park, all of that cloud 
was gone. It had been like 11 months, and I just was weeping with joy. And the Lord said, Nathan, I have more for you if you want it. It's going to cost you something, but it's there for the taking if you want it. And I did, and I do. And in the midst of trying to figure out that cost, as it were, I came across some passages in Mark 5 and Matthew 17 where Jesus healed people And when his disciples did not understand, I imagine this happened around a campfire, and they're saying, hey, we did what you did, but it didn't work for us. And he said, hey, these these kind only come out with much prayer and fasting. And it struck me. Jesus didn't stop to fast or pray. I think what he communicated to me in that was that he has a lifestyle of praying and fasting. And as I have figured out how to do that better, I would say I have found power. And that's a pretty incredible list that, it, that the Lord has led me to. Clarity, peace, and power. And I'll be praying for you as you're hearing this this coming Sunday. And I'll be praying with you as you're on your own journey to figure out these disciplines that the Lord commanded us to follow that are ultimately for our good and His glory. So that's my buddy Nathan, and uh, again, been an amazing example in my life in so many ways, but fasting particularly, you heard him talking about clarity and peace and power that he receives when he fasts because they connect him to the presence of his Savior and the guiding force that God and the Holy Spirit is in his life. That's what we want to tap into. So a couple of just simple points. Why, why as Christians would we fast? Why would we do that? Well, the first reason I think we fast is because it expresses the longing that we have for something greater than ourselves. See, there's an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, where John's disciples, so John the Baptist was before Jesus, his disciples come up and say, hey, why are you guys not fasting right now? We thought we were supposed to be fasting. We fast, the Pharisees fast. Why are you guys not fasting? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. So what he was saying was, and Richard Foster says in his book, Celebrations of Discipline, this is the kind of preeminent verse on why Christians should fast. What he's saying is that while Jesus is with them, they don't need to fast. It's like if you have grown kids or kids in college or you know, adult children at this point, when they're home with you, you're celebrating that time. You're enjoying the fact that they're there. Well, for a while, if they've been stuck with you in the house for a while, maybe you're getting a little tired of celebrating that. But for the most part, you're pumped when they are home. So you're not gonna mourn, you're not gonna grieve, you're not going to long for their presence, they're in your presence. But when they leave, man, you just miss them. And you're like, man, I hope I get, a, hope I get something, you know, a Skype call, or I hope I get a little contact with them, or I hope I get to see what they're doing through some social media because you long for their presence when they're gone. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, absolutely, when I'm gone, you need to be fasting because it's an expression of our longing for something something that we were designed to have in our lives, a relationship with Jesus, a live Savior, present, consistently. And we long for that. That longing creates this dependency and this humility in us that actually looks pretty good as Christians. It's kind of how we were designed 
to interact with others in the world. We're longing for something beyond this. We're not just longing for the shelter-in-place restrictions to be lifted. We're not just longing for sporting events or dining. We're longing for a Savior. We're longing for God's presence in our lives. Fasting allows you to express that longing. It intensifies that desire because you're basically saying, you know what, more than food, I need a savior. More than the comfort of putting something in my mouth, I need a connection with the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in my life. So fasting allows us to kind of express a longing that we have. Another thing that Christian fasting does is it actually exposes kind of the sin and the selfishness that's in our life. I don't know if you've ever fasted before, if you've tried it, but if you have, man, some things come out inside you. If you're fasting and what comes out is, man, I'm hungry. And the next thing that comes out is, how long is it till I can eat again? How much longer am I going to be doing this? Well, then there's something in there. There's a selfish desire in there. If you're fasting and your first thought is, you know, anger and, and grumpiness, then there's something going on. See, see when you, we deny ourselves of something, it exposes what's really in our hearts. And don't get me wrong, if you fast from food, you're gonna be hungry, but a Christian fast, a true fast, when you do fast, you kind of say to yourself, Whoa, wait a minute, I'm, I'm hungry. That should remind me that I need to be praying. I, I'm fasting for a reason because I'm longing for Jesus and I'm wanting his presence or his clarity around something and it's a reminder for that to happen. So that's kind of why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching and he said to his disciples, he said, hey, listen, when uh, you do fast, he said, be careful how you look to the people around you. So he basically said not to kind of just put on sackcloths and mope around. What he was really saying was, and he goes on to say, you need to kind of continue to comb your hair and brush your teeth and live your life in such a way that it doesn't draw a lot of attention to that because it's not for selfish reasons that you're fasting or so that you can brag. You're fasting so that you can connect more deeply with the Lord. A third reason that I think we fast as Christians is because as Nathan said in the video clip, it does provide clarity for us. See, sometimes we just get to a point where we don't know what the right answer is. A lot of our fasts, Christine and I together as a couple, if you're married, there's a lot of power in fasting as a couple around a certain issue. So Christina and I have had to fast at various times because we just didn't know what else to do. We, didn't, we were hearing voices from the outside. We were hearing our selfish desires. We were praying, but we weren't getting clarity around major decision, a major decision that we had in the moment. One time, I know we were trying to decide whether we were gonna move out of state for a ministry opportunity or stay in Texas around family, and, and we didn't know what the right answer was. And so we agreed to fast, and we fasted, and then we would come together at night, and we would talk about what the Lord had said during our prayer times, and we had to do that for several days. But we ended up with amazing clarity. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me make sure I say this clearly. Fasting doesn't guarantee you're going to get an answer from God. And it certainly doesn't guarantee you're going to get the answer that you want. But it intensifies your prayers, and it clears the way so that you're more open to hear His voice when He does speak. And the beauty of that fasting together as a couple that ultimately led to us getting clarity around an answer was that when we did follow through and move and things got hard, 
Christina couldn't look at me and say, well, you're the one that got us here. I couldn't look at her and say, well, this is your decision. We looked at each other and said, hey, we clearly heard from the Lord. This is where we're supposed to be. So we're going to stay the course through this. See, Christian fasting provides clarity. We can hear his voice without the distraction of some of the things that usually get in the way. A fourth reason that I think it's important for Christians to fast is because it unleashes power. I don't understand this one fully either. But I know there's an interesting story in the Bible where the disciples have gone and they've tried to heal this boy that had something inside him. And, and they failed. And, and the father actually said, man, these guys, they, they, they couldn't do it. They fell short. And Jesus said, all right. And so Jesus took care of the boy, he healed what needed healing, removed the spirit that needed removing. And in the process of doing that, uh, the disciples were kind of like, wait a minute, what happened? And so later that day, I think they were probably hanging out a little bit. And the disciples said, hey, how come we did the same exact thing you did in the same exact way? How come it didn't work? And Jesus said, because that, that demon, that particular healing that needed to happen only comes through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So see, there's certain things in life that only happen as a result of prayer and fasting. There's certain power that's released when you do respond that way. I might have missed it a little bit ago, but I want to go back and just tell you about Acts chapter 13 because I think it illustrates a couple of these last two points, clarity and power. See, in Acts chapter 13, the early church uh, is there and they're getting rolling and they're getting some momentum and things are happening. And the next thing you know, it's time to make a major decision. And so in verse one, it talks about all the key players, Acts 13, one. And then in Acts 13, two, it says that they, pra- they, f- they prayed and they fasted in hopes of getting a decision. And then they get the decision. And the decision is that you need to send out two guys. They were trying to figure out who to send out. Needed clarity. Barnabas and Paul was the decision they got. And so they fasted and prayed again, and then they sent them out. They got clarity around the decision, and then they sent them out. And the power of fasting really showed up because it's pretty easy to argue that the most significant missionary journey of all time was launched when they sent Paul and Barnabas out to spread the news, the good news to the Roman Empire, which has eventually led to kind of all of us having a better understanding. So prayer and fasting unleashed that clarity and that power. So what do we do in our own lives? What does that mean for us? What, what does that mean for our own discipline in this area? How do we do it? How do we fast? There's, there's plenty of information out there. You can partially fast from things. The Daniel fast is a good example. That's what Daniel did. He needed to have you know, an audience with the king and a major decision made. And so he fasted for a period of time, a three-week period of time, and he only ate certain things. That's fine. There's not any hard and fast rules around this and how-tos. There are some good pointers, though. Nehemiah is another good example. If you look in Nehemiah, a little historical context, Nehemiah was a guy who was, uh, you know, he was one of God's people, but they were exiled at the time, and Nehemiah had favor with the king and was working for the king. And while he was in that spot, some news came to him about goings-on and happenings from back home in Jerusalem, and they, they broke his heart. So let's take a look at this passage. It's in Nehemiah chapter 1. If you want to turn there, if you want to just watch it on the screen, that's fine. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4 says, when I heard these things, so Nehemiah heard from some messengers that things were going bad in Jerusalem. He said, I sat down and wept. So the first thing 
that happened was compassion. Your heart is moved to compassion. And then the second thing he said was, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So he was motivated to fast and to pray because of the mourning that was going on in his heart. And he says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So in the midst of his fasting, he's compassionate. And then the next thing that he does is he kind of, reveres the Lord. He honors the Lord. He says, I know how powerful you are and I know how good you are. So he shows compassion. He reveres the Lord. And then the third thing that he does in his prayer is he confesses. I confess the sins of our people, including myself and my father's family that we've all committed against you. Confession is another piece of this. We're gonna unpack this more when we get to prayer. But man, there's this compassion movement in his heart that leads him to wanna fast and that fasting leads him to wanna confess how great God is and he longs for his help. And then it goes into a confession of the ways that he's fallen short. And then you kinda skip down to verse 11 and see how he concludes all this. He says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This man meaning the king that he needed to go talk to. So he made his specific request. Fasting unleashes this clarity and power in prayer. Our longing for the Lord intensifies such that we are dependent on him to respond, whatever his response will be. I don't know if there's been a period in the last few months where you felt helpless. I, uh, I don't like to feel helpless. It's one of my fear buttons I try to avoid. Uh, but my daughter, she's a, an ICU nurse. And um, man, this whole thing broke out. And uh, sure enough, first day she heads in, you know, when this all gets cranked up, she's got patients uh, with the coronavirus. And uh, I'm not a fearful person. I don't usually live in fear, but I get scared. Don't get me wrong. I get scared. And so in the midst of being afraid and, and being scared about that, I didn't know what to do. I had a plan at one point to drive to Kansas where she lives, bring some Lysol bottles in, kind of swat away any virus or anything that looked like it was floating at her. Uh, I could imagine some security guard kicking me out of that. And so I, I said, well, I need a plan B, uh, which is sad that usually my plan A's are always stuff I think I can do myself. And my plan B's are God. I know at some point I need to flip those around. So I said, man, I need to fast and I need to pray. Um, I needed to pray and I thought, man, I need to intensify my prayer. So um, when she goes to work, I, uh, I call her on the way to work, 6.20 in the morning. And, um, and then she works shifts. It'd be nice if she worked like a seven to three shift. That would be easier for me, but she works a seven to seven shift. And uh, so I fast the whole time she's there. And uh, when I get hungry or a pain or I see somebody else eating, it reminds me that I need to pray for protection for Taylor. I'm not trying to manipulate God in any way. I'm just a helpless dad trying to figure out how to love the people around me the best I can. And in this instance, fasting and praying has done a ton in my own spirit. I don't know what it's done in terms of protecting her. She has been protected. I'm thankful for that. I know it's God who is her protector but I can only do what I can do. And I want to be as close to the Lord and as dependent on him as I can in, 
any instance in my life, but particularly when I'm scared for the people around me. I hope that you would be encouraged maybe to include fasting to some level or some degree in your prayer life, in your prayer time right now. Um, it's interesting that Jesus fasted for 40 days while in the wilderness being tempted. And I don't know if you kept track of it, and I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but from the time that Governor Abbott made his first decree that we needed to shelter in place until he made his second decree this week that we were kind of, some things were relaxing and we were able to kind of get out a little bit more was exactly 40 days. Some of us were forced to fast for some things. And that's a little different than what the Christian fasting is talking about because it's a temporary choice to renunciate. But we, we, we have, we fasted for some things for about 40 days. And uh, I hope, that in the process of that, it's allowed you to grow a little closer to the Lord. Maybe that it's allowed you to enjoy some things like family dinners or deeper conversations, or you've had some more margin to read the Bible or memorize some scriptures or call or text or Skype or Zoom somebody that needed some encouragement around you. This is a chance and has been a chance for us to deepen our faith and the renunciation of some things by choice or not that normally we would fill our time with allows us to do more of that. So let's continue this practice regardless of what it looks like going forward. I don't know what the next weeks look like. We're gonna know a little bit more about what church looks like here in a few minutes when Pastor Jose tells us what the next few weeks will look like here after worship and communion. But for your own life and for your own relationship with the Lord, I pray that you would consider fasting as a discipline that would allow you to grow closer to him. Let me pray with you. Dear Lord, I thank you that you provided food for us. Lord, you provided food for us to feast on. And there are times to eat and there are times to eat together and there are times to celebrate because food is for feasting. And there are other times when it's appropriate to forfeit some things that are good so that we can grow closer to you. And so forfeiting food from time to time is a good thing as well. It's sometimes feasting, sometimes forfeiting, regardless of where we are and what season we're in, Lord, we want more of you. We want a deeper relationship with you. And for everyone out there on their couches or their decks or their patios or in their kitchens or in their bedrooms, I pray, Lord, that as they hear, they would hear from you, not from me, that they would hear what you would have them do in this season. If they have a big decision ahead or something significant they need to think about, if there's something they're afraid of, I pray they would consider adding fasting into the process. I thank you that you modeled that for us, and I thank you that you love us enough to grant us eternity with you regardless of any works we do down here. Help us to be faithful with the gift you've given us. Help us to encourage one another and spur one another on. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.